Hello and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Nimnick. Great to be back on the mic with you guys for another episode. You know, even though these episodes have been coming to you guys every two weeks, it's been a couple months since I've recorded. You know, I get super busy with, uh, you know, the changing of the seasons with my lawn care business, uh, coaching baseball. So, you know, a lot of this stuff I get pre-recorded towards the end of the winter. And uh, but I ran a little short. So uh, here we are, middle of June. I'm recording episodes. Um, you know, I haven't killed a coyote in like three months, but you know, I see all you guys out there on social media. You guys are still putting hurting on them. Uh, the decoy dog action's going strong right now. Uh, still some guys out there killing them with thermal. So, you know, keep after them there. But for me, it's still you know a few more months. So I'm not really in the coyote hunting mindset quite yet. Although it's always in the in the back of my mind. You know, as I'm sitting there mowing yards, thinking about the upcoming winter. I love that anticipation there. But uh, you know, this episode uh, got guy or Ike Eastman on on this episode um he's kind of the brainchild behind this podcast i've talked to uh, you know about it in the past about my relationship with eastman's and how i kind of got in with them a little bit but we're going to talk about that kind of the start of eastman's how ike um you know took over the business um and a little bit about his predator hunting background his first coyotes um and then you know obviously he's been around the predator game you know big predators bears african predators uh, mountain lions, stuff like that. So we're gonna we're gonna visit about some stuff like that. So it should be a pretty good one. But um, before we get into into all that, want to thank you guys for listening, continuing continuing to make this the number one predator hunting podcast out there. Uh, your feedback goes a, a long long way. You know those five star reviews on Spotify, leaving comments, um, whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, whatever, th- those go a long way. Um, you know we couldn't do this without out the sponsors, unfortunately. So. That's usually what they look at. Uh, they don't have a chance to to listen to all these, um, even though I think they should, um, but uh, they don't. So they get to, they get to you know get you know quick analytics by looking at the, at the ratings and things like that. So if you guys are loving what you're hearing and and want more, you know comments, five star reviews, all that kind of stuff go a long long way. But for this episode, um, Black Rifle Coffee Company and Sig Optics are the main sponsors. Now. You know, it's middle middle of summer. Uh, I'm not I'm not drinking much coffee, if any, even in the winter, especially now. But uh, those cold brews, you know, I was in the mini mart the other day, heading out uh, for a day of mowing, getting stocked up on supplies, and I saw a brand new cold brew drink uh, from Black Rifle, which was Berry Mocha. Um, I wasn't quite needing an energy drink that morning, so I didn't get it. So, but I'm gonna try it uh, the next one. I actually just got done drinking one of the caramel vanilla ones here. Um, you know, getting ready to to visit with Ike, but uh, but no, if you're uh, looking for some cold brews, it's crazy now. You know, just probably under a year ago, you could hardly find any of this stuff at, at mini marts uh, with the Black Rifle label on it. And now, uh, you know, I'm always keeping my eye out, kind of seeing where everything's at. And you know, it seems like every convenience store I stop at, Walmart, um, they all have them now. So it's very very easy. But you know, if you're not into that, maybe you're just into the coffees. You want to look into their coffee subscription. Or uh, anything they they offer. Hey, and if you're an Instagrammer, um, you know I I love their content. They always they're always putting crazy funny stuff on their uh, their Black Rifle Coffee uh, Instagram page. You know, funny videos and things like that. So, um, you know, Americanized, patriotic kind of videos that uh, are what we need this in this day and age. So, um, you know, if you want to check out anything they have to offer, you can go to their website, which is BlackRifleCoffee.com. And, uh, you know, look at the cold brews, look at the coffee subscriptions, anything else there uh, will get you going. Now, our second sponsor, Sig Optics. Um, You know, I don't know if somebody's basically been watching videos, um, 
you know, uh, last stand videos or what, but just here in the last couple of weeks, I've gotten probably a half dozen messages about the red dot uh, that I'm using, you know, and, and right now, um, and have been for the last couple of seasons, I'm using that Romeo 3XL red dot that Sig makes. Now, I shoot it in the 6MOA. I think they offered in the 3MOA as well. Now, you may, may ask yourself, okay, what do you like about it? Well, the screen size is big, and I think that's why they call it the XL, um, the, the screen, the, the glass piece that the red dot shows up on is just a little bit bigger than probably some of the competitors, which obviously for shooting running coyotes, the bigger the field of view, the better. Now, when I'm mounting that red dot on my rifle, the closer I get it to my eye, the bigger that screen will be, the easier it will be to get coyotes in that, you know, so I mount it right basically underneath the eyepiece of my scope you know, basically right in front of my charging handle and my AR. I've seen some guys have a mount them way out further, out farther down the rail towards maybe the objective end of their scope. And now obviously you're dealing with a, a smaller field of view, a littler piece of glass, you know, to try to fit the coyote into. So, you know, when you are mounting that, get it back a little bit further. And I, like I said, I go with the six MOA dot um, just because the dot's bigger and it's quicker for your eye to pick it up. Now, I don't think you can go too big because, a, you know, a six MOA essentially means it'll cover up a six inch target at a hundred yards. Well, if we're talking shooting at coyotes at, you know, 25 yards, that dots only covering up roughly an inch and a half of the coyote, right? It's not a six MOA dots, not going to cover up the whole coyote when he's there at, uh, you know, 20, 30 yards running. And, and, you know, like I said, I'm not using that red dot to shoot him out there at a hundred yards. That's why I have a scope on my rifle, right? So, um, if you're in the market for, for putting that red dot, you know, on your, on your setup, you know, for those quick shots, maybe you don't want to hassle with packing in both a shotgun and a rifle. Maybe you don't hunt, maybe you hunt by yourself. So you don't have the opportunity to maybe have another guy with a shotgun on stand and you want something a little quicker, a little easier to kill those close coyotes, you know, mounting that red dot, um, is really essential there to, to getting things killed. So, um, I would highly recommend that uh, SIG Romeo 3XL in the 6MOA, very cost-efficient, you know, probably under three, $350, $400 tops, and, uh, you know, you'll you'll enjoy it. Battery life is crazy good. I'll put a battery in that thing. It'll last me the whole season. Obviously, I'm not leaving it on all the time. I am turning it off um, and on when I'm not using it in between stands and things like that. But, um, yeah, man, you can't go wrong with that. So add a red dot to your system. Um, you can go over to SIGSour.com. You can look at their full line of red dots along with all their BDX scopes and uh, everything they have to offer. So once again, special thanks to Black Rifle Coffee and Sig Optics for bringing you guys this episode. Well, Ike, welcome to the podcast, buddy. <laughs> thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we don't get to we don't get to talk enough uh, just BS and like hopefully we get to today. Usually yeah, yeah. it's just business. I'm a little nervous. I got like I'm I got my boss man on the uh, the podcast no. with me, you know. <laughs> no, you're your own boss. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just share the last name with the first part of your your name yeah, or there podcast you go. There name. You go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure I'm sure pretty much most of the people listening to this know who you are, know what you do, but but uh, let's start off just just give me a rundown kind of of what you do at Eastman's there. Um, you know, just a, a little bit on your background in general as a hunter and, and things like that before yeah. we really dig into some some cool stuff. Yeah. Um, so I am the owner of Eastman's Publishing uh, Incorporated, which is the multimedia company that Eastman's Predator Pros sits underneath. It has a ton of other brands, as, as you know. Um, we have four other podcasts, 
soon to be five, or I guess it is five now, uh, five other podcasts. We have a whole YouTube suite that's got 170 million views on it and 250,000 subscribers. Uh, we have two uh, print journals, uh, Eastman's Hunting Journal, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, as well as a whole digital suite, uh, Tag Hub, which I'm sure you've talked to Scott about. Yeah. You know, that's the the draw areas and and all the statistics for all that stuff on the back end of you know hunting for for western big game hunting it was started eastman's was started as a western big game hunting platform and it's it's now it's gone into uh wingman which is the wing shooting platform as well as obviously predator pros uh i own it and ceo president i bought it from my parents in 2008 um so i've owned it for 15 years or so here and um, I'm, I'm the one that, that took it from the traditional media, which was print magazines and, and linear TV on the outdoor channel, which we still have all that stuff, but I took it and expanded to the digital side of our world, which means YouTube channels and digital email blasts with blogs and a forum and a huge social media presence. You, um, of course the podcast. So I'm, I'm kind of the, the the president here, but really what I do every day is sit in meetings and watch a really <laughs> badass team do what they need to do and, uh, and, and sign checks. I don't, I don't, I, don't yeah, yeah. I, 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 I say I don't have a lot of day to day, but I, I, I do, um, in the, in the grand scheme of direction, but I have a really badass team around me that, that does the day to day, uh, and make shit happen and, and, you know, produces this podcast and everything else that we're doing. So. So, so right out of high school, did you, did you work at Eastman's doing something or did you have like, I'm going to say, it, I'm going to call it a real job <laughs> <You know? laughs> before 2000. So yeah, actually. Yeah. So I, uh, in that, so Eastman's, the current company was started in 1987. And so I was 10 and I just grew up working in this thing. Um, I, you know, all winter during school, I'd come home after school and ship the products out we'd ship video you know vhs videos yeah. out or or we had t-shirts and hats and all this stuff way back then and so i'd come home from school and for a couple two or three hours i'd work doing the shipping part in fact the current shipping department i have i built that when i was in high school the whole system was built <laughs> in high when i was a high school kid then the summers i'd go do stuff like um for most of my high school career during the summer i'd you know, two days after school got out, I'd, I'd get in a pickup and drive to, um, one of our friend, our family friends had a ranch there and I was a cowboy all summer and lived in a, I lived in a little one, like tiny little one bedroom, uh, or one room cabin and, uh, and pushed cows all day. And it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Taught me a lot of about hard work. And I was just telling somebody the other day, I remember it, June's were my, I hated June's because the days are so flipping long. Oh yeah. You know, you get up at three because it got light about four 30 and you so you get up at three and you'd, you'd work all day and uh, you might, you might get a break in the middle of the day for, for us, for a lunch or something. And then you'd work until nine or 10 o'clock at night and then do it again. You do that all month. Cause we, June's so busy. You'd be pushing cows every day from, from their winter pasture to the summer pasture and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a big ranch. Was, I think it was eighty thousand acres or something like that. Damn. And uh, I learned a lot, <clears throat> and 
learned uh, learned how to kill a rattlesnake with my hands and <laughs> got bucked off a ton and it was fun but but uh yeah I learned how to drive it's, I tell my kids my my 13 year old daughter I'm teaching her how to drive so we're driving on the county roads and stuff and she asked me last night she goes dad how did you learn to drive I said well actually uh, Barney Sanford was the rancher's name he said he I said he stuffed me in a pickup with eight head of horses on a horse trailer and said I need you to be at you know at the at the uh, lazy bar uh, by noon and I was on two track roads pulling this giant load of animals and stuff on a two track road up over this pass down through a creek up and then up on top of another bench um, probably 80 miles, something like that. And, uh, that's how I learned how to drive. It's <laughs> trial and error. Oh, yeah, and it was yeah. a stick shift, one ton Ford pickup with a 460 in it. <laughs> it was fun. But so then, then I, uh, graduated high school and went to, went to college and I didn't really know what I want to do. Actually, when I was in high school, I thought I was going to be an airplane mechanic. I was, you know, I'm the, I'm the uh, top gun generation. I wanted yeah, yeah. to be, I want to be an airplane mechanic because <laughs> I didn't have the eyes to be the pilot. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> this is before they could do surgery. And so I was going to be an airplane mechanic, went to college because of a stupid girl. And uh, <laughs> that didn't last yeah. long. Went into, uh, actually went into uh, just business stuff in ag business back then and uh, graduated from a two-year school here in Powell, which my parents didn't live here. They lived in a little town middle of Wyoming called uh, Thermopolis, and uh, then went to the, or found my wife, and we got married, and then we went to University of Wyoming, and uh, I went, continued in business and marketing, and with a minor in finance, and uh, I, I uh, decided, her and I decided that when we were in Laramie that we were never going to leave Wyoming. It was, unless we had to, couldn't find a job. I just didn't want to leave the state that, that I grew up in and all the amenities and everything we got to do. I really took for granted as a kid, you know, hunting and fishing and all the stuff that we got to do right out our back door. You know, you don't get that in every other state. And so this is, you know, this is pretty unique. And when we have, uh, I think it's, I think it's six people for every square mile or something that it's 120 acres per person here you don't get that wide open spaces anywhere else no <clears throat> so i graduated college and got a couple job offers could have went to new york and and worked for a stock company called fitch which my sister was working for at the time or i could have went and uh, i got actually got a job offer in ulysses kansas to run a feedlot down there did big giant um feedlot which would have been you know that would have been a a lot of fun, but it's Ulysses, Kansas, and <laughs> yeah. uh, talk about the middle of nowhere. <clears throat> a little change from Northwest it's, Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For those that don't know, Ulysses, Kansas is right on the Oklahoma border. <laughs> yeah. It's a completely different place. So, uh, and then I also got a, a job offer from a company called First Interstate Bank, and at the time, it was a Wyoming uh, bank. It was headquartered out of Sheridan, Wyoming, and while I, and I told my wife, I said, well, this is the only job offer I got in Wyoming. So I guess we're doing this. And so we moved to a, a town called Riverton, Wyoming, which is right in the middle of the Indian reservation. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is a rough, rough town. And uh, so we moved there for, for about two years. Uh, oddly enough, it was a pretty rough two years. My, I was on training in Casper and driving across Wyoming and this is when cell phones were new. I'm aging myself, but <laughs> my wife calls me and says, um, 
I just heard gunshots and there's people skirmishing on our front on the, on the uh, sidewalk in front of our little apartment. What do I do? I said, turn the lights off, lock the doors and hope the cops show up, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> sure enough, they had a shooting there. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough. But uh, so I worked for First Interstate for, for five years. And, and when I left there, I was a credit analyst. And what a credit analyst does, when you go get a loan from a bank, they're, they're, you talk to a loan officer, but that loan officer takes all that information that you filled out and gave them and gives it to a credit analyst. And there's somebody in the back room that is crunching all those numbers. And they actually write uh, what we call up write-ups. And it's a 10-page report that I would present to all the loan officers in a loan meeting. And then they would vote on if we do the loan or not. And so I got to see, you know, I would do 10 of those a week, seven to 10 of those a week for a few years. And so I got really good at being able to look at a business and go, this is going to work or this isn't going to work. And I got to see, you know, what, what businesses were doing that, that were successful and what businesses were doing that weren't successful. And, and it was like a crash course and a master's degree on business. It was really neat. Well, my parents who have, they are high school educated that my dad, in fact, he'll, he'll, tell people and it's it probably true I don't know he says he was really a half credit short from high school but they didn't want him any longer and so they kicked him out and sent him to the military yeah. <laughs> sent him to Vietnam that's a good yeah. place for you kid yeah but so they were growing this business and my brother just started working here and he was doing a lot all the creative and and uh, you know working with the magazines and that's about the time that the members research section which turned into tag hub started and, and it was growing and my parents just couldn't figure out how to get it to the next step. And so they asked me as well as my sister to come back into the business, said, listen, we need some help in the finance management side. And my sister um, was a marketing whiz and uh, she was working for a, an investment company called Fitch. Um, they do a lot of the uh, ratings for stocks and bonds and stuff on, on Wall Street. Okay. So they bring her back as the marketing person. My brother's running the creative and I was running the finance and, and operations side of the world. And it worked for, this is in 2003, and it worked for a number of years. Um, and then my parents one day just, well, my sister had kids. And so she went, she left and, and became a stay-at-home mom. And uh, then my parents basically said, I, uh, we, we, we're tired of this. I'm burned out either you guys buy it or I'm going to sell it to someone else. <clears throat> I was like, well, this is kind of like my little brother. I don't, I, can we do that? I don't, I don't know if we can sell this. Can we? <laughs> it's got my name on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, m my brother and I put a uh, plan together and we purchased it from him. And then I, I um, shortly after that, or 10 years, roughly 10 years later, I bought it from my brother, his shares. He still works for us as a, as a consultant. Uh, he's significantly older than me. Uh, people don't know that. But oh yeah, I he's kind of on. Tell a guy I said that he looks way older. <laughs> actually, you know, most people till recently, but most people are like, "You're the older brother, right?" Uh, no, actually, thanks. You just called me ten years older than I really am. Yeah. But <clears throat> he, uh, so he still works for us. Still does the. Th he always says, "I get to do the thing, the things that he wants to do. It doesn't. He doesn't have to do the things he doesn't want to. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't have the liability of it. And so." <laughs> Yeah, so I, I run the day to day and and uh, we we you know it's fun to watch things grow and watch people grow. One of my favorite things in this business is to is to bring somebody in, uh, even if they're an intern or if they're you know came from somewhere else and and watch them grow. Uh, we have a an intern that started with us when he was in high school, 
And uh, now uh, recently he's one of our group leads, uh, which for those, it would be like an executive vice president yeah, yeah. in most companies. I don't call it that because in my opinion, it, I came from banking and everybody was a <laughs> vice president. I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, Luke is uh, graduated college and married and, and, uh, and he's, you know, a group lead and it's just fun to watch them grow from a, a silly high school kid that, you know, a starry eyed wanted to hunt all the way to somebody that's running a, a chunk of my business and he does a whole social media side of it. So if uh, those of yeah, you Luke, that follow Luke us on great, Facebook, he's, yeah, one, he's, he, actually, he, he's actually going to put this podcast together. I'm sending him all the clips and he puts it all together and gets it out there and Yep. Yeah. Yep. He's, he's the man. So, um, yeah, so I do that kind of stuff, manage it day to day, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't do a ton of, of, uh, uh, operation stuff. I do. I still, I, cause I really like the finance side of it. I have a really good, um, account manager, accounting manager, but her and I do a lot of that together just cause it, it interests me and it's fun. Yeah. So yeah. I know. Sounds weird. Yeah. No, <laughs> I get it, man. That's, it's an interesting story to me because my background is, is, Similar in the fact that I went to college out of the Marine Corps and I got a degree in mar business marketing, right? But it, I didn't really have a plan on what I, I just thought it was interesting stuff to go learn about, right? And then yeah. like you said, once you graduate, you're like, well, I don't really want to do that job, you know? Do I want to sell <laughs> radio ads, you know, at the local yeah. radio station? Nah, you know, that's boring, you know? And then finally, you just kind of fall into the the job, but you're still using you know, the stuff that you learned long ago, but you weren't really planning on using it for, you know what I'm saying at this, uh, it's just, it's interesting because your story's kind of similar to that. Well, and, and I, you know, I tell kids all the time, if, if you don't know, if you don't have a passion or a drive for something uh, and you're like, well, I want to go to college, but I don't know what I want to do. Go get a business degree. That thing is, it, it could be used in, it doesn't matter what you are. Even if you're twisting wire nuts, like one of my best friends is a, is a uh, electrician. And he tells his kids all the time, go get a business degree. Cause if I'd had one of those, this business would look a lot different. He owns his own company. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had to do a lot of, of, you know, beating my head against the wall, trying to figure out what a balance sheet was. Go get a business degree. It's just <laughs> yeah. the basics and it, you can use it in everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it's crazy. So how did you get into, how did you get into lawn mowing? You're just trying to, <laughs> trying to make a buck and all of a sudden now you've got 47 crews mowing lawns oh, or what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So no. So so I just got out of the Marine Corps. Um, I was like, well, you know, I'm getting the GI Bill, so I'd be stupid not to go to college, right, mm -hmm. and, and use this up. So uh, my first summer out of the Marine Corps, college was out. I was working. I was doing concrete construction for just a, a local guy here I knew. But uh, he only had enough work for a couple of days a week. Well, at the same time, uh, my brother, I have a, a brother that's three years younger. He was just out of high school. Um, I was living with him and his, and his buddy. Well, his buddy had this little kind of rinky dink, little lawn care business, you know, just a little trailer mowing like 30, 40 yards. Well, it wasn't enough income for him to make a full-time job at it. So he was working a secondary job too. Well, that, that was a full-time job. And then he was trying to mow these yards in the evenings and stuff like that. And he's like, well, Hey, you want to take over and you want to mow these yards for me? <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, I'm only working like two, three days a week doing concrete. Yeah. So so the whole rest of that summer, I took over those 30, 40 yards and I would do all the work for him. He would still send out the billing stuff. He still owned it. Did that the following summer and, and I had kind of built it. The only thing he did at this point now was kind of send out the billing, but I was dealing with all the customers and doing all that kind of stuff. And towards the end of that summer, 
I'm still living with him at that point. So I'm seeing him all the money this kid was blowing, right? Like on just the stupidest yeah. stuff, right? And I'm like, I'm making you all that money. <laughs> you know, you're paying me a, you know, barely minimum wage to go mow all this. Well, he bounced a paycheck to me. <laughs> Ooh, you know, and I'm like, I'm like a, a year day. out of the Marine Corps. And here's this little punk kid, my brother's age. Right. And I basically gave him an ultimatum. I said, Hey dude, I said, these people all know me. They don't even know who you, I said, so I'll give you this. I told him I'd pay him like 3000 bucks for all the equipment. And I'd take over and own the business or I just quit and go start my own business. And all these people take are going to come clients. with me. Yeah. So he debated about it for about 12 minutes. And then he told me, Oh yeah, I'll take the money. And uh, so, yeah. So then, so then for the next two years of college, that was my summer job essentially, you know, right. Um, right. But then by the time I graduated, you know, heck I had a hundred accounts and I was like, well, damn, I'm like, why would I want to, you know, and I love to hunt obviously at the, at the time. So I was like, man, why would I want to go, you know, work somewhere else full time when I can do this seven months out of the year and then I can hunt you know, all winter. So, so yeah, that's kind of how I got into that. It, and then it's kind of expanded. It's, it's worked perfectly for, for the coyote side of it, you know, it gave me the, no other job that I could have had would have given me the time for five months in the winter, you know, to get away to, 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 to do and get where I've been, you know, in the coyote world. So yeah, it's kind of been a no plan. It just kind of fell upon itself and, and here we are, you know, so. So you're like, oh, we're either going to go run for Congress so I can be gone all winter or I'll go shoot coyotes. <laughs> yeah, One yeah, way exactly. or another, predators are dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no plan, just winging it, you know. Well, that's awesome. And you got two kids, right? Three two boys. boys. Three boys, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. Did I meet all three of them or did you only have two of them in Salt Lake? You know, I only had uh, the two oldest. Yeah, my okay. I still got an eight-year-old. He didn't get to make the trip out there. So, so one okay. of these days. That's cool. So yeah, man, it's it's crazy how it always comes comes around, you know. And like you said though, just stick stick with something, right? Like, you know, if that's what you really like to do, it's not gonna be perfect at start, but you know, if you have enough passion for it, yeah. sooner or later you can you can make it happen, you know. Yep, that's right. And <laughs> and you know, the key to it is passion. I think one of the things that people miss it, today is passion go find something you really enjoy to do and you know it's, it's cliche but it's true you don't you won't work a day in your life and i enjoy doing this every single day are there struggles absolutely but overall it's a lot of fun i get to meet people and do cool things and go really neat places i've been all over the world and oh yeah just enjoy your passion so that's cool you know and that that's the same thing as me you know early on you know my mom was a teacher so i grew up in that education environment um, you know, when my first semester of college out of the Marine Corps, I was actually in education and I thought, you know, that's, you know, in my days in the Marine Corps of instructing and, and doing some things like that, I, I just thought, oh, this is cool. But then after a semester of teach, you know, going through that and just looking at like what teachers make and I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. And then I changed the business, but in the end, I'm still kind of in that aspect of teaching, right? Like, you know, right. I never had lost that passion of it. I'm just using it in a little bit different way than than being an actual school teacher, you know, I still coach, I still, you know, teach predator hunting, you know, and things like that now. So, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool how, you know, when stuff kind of comes together and how it works itself well, the, out. The first time I met you, you were sitting on a stage in, I want to say Denver, but it yeah, might've been yeah, Salt Lake. Yeah, I know all those yeah, dang ISCs yeah. are just, they're just the same, but <laughs> yeah. And you were, you were lecturing, you were, you were teaching predator hunting to a group of guys that were absolutely enthralled. And I remember sitting there going, there's that many guys that care about predator hunting. Like this is a passion. This is a yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, all you big game hunters just walk around with your noses up in there looking at us mangy coyote yeah. hunters like, what are you guys doing? Little, little we know that you're the, you're the reason we still have game because you're killing the stuff that's eating all the fawns and calves. Yeah. And that's funny. A lot of people don't understand. You know, they say, you know, that doesn't make sense. You know, how, how did you get involved with Eastman's? And that's really how I met you guys was just yeah. long ago. Guy would get up there and you would do some, some seminars and we'd get to visiting and we'd go out and drink a few beers after the show. And Adam Bender. You know, I kind of knew yeah. him when he worked for you guys. And, and so, yeah, so we just kind of had this relationship that uh, of knowing each other over six or eight years. And then finally, I guess you guys saw, wow, this predator stuff is, is, well, is making a big push. It's time we kind of maybe crack into that or, or what was the thought? Yeah, process? actually, if you remember, I was looking at buying a group of, of uh, printed magazines. There was a Grandview media, which is out of down South there. They were selling off all of their hunting magazines and one of them is a predator magazine. And so I was looking at, at a couple of their archery trade pubs and a couple other things. And they were, they said, well, you can buy those, but I want you, you have to buy the predator one. And there was a couple other weird ones in there. And I, I was going down the list going, okay, I got, you know, I get this person can edit this one and write for this one. And I was like, I have, I don't, I, there's nobody in my office knows shit about predator hunting. <laughs> so I called you, remember? I said, yeah, Hey yeah. Jeff, I got an idea for you. How about you? How about you do the writing for this predator magazine? You, you just, the, I will never forget this. You go writing. Have you ever seen me? I can't even write in crayon, dude. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, never mind. I'm not going to buy yeah. that one. And then a few years later, we we're talking about the podcast group and, and uh, somebody said, we should start a predator one. I went, Oh, I know the guy. I know, I know the guy that would talk predator hunting until he's blue in the face. Yeah. So, and and it was right about the same time that that uh, your last stand had that um, had that that episode of you guys shooting those the coons and you had oh, to yeah. kick that coon off you, yeah. running up your leg. <laughs> I went, oh, that, that's the guy. That's yeah. the guy I want as the, the, as the want. host of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I need to take a second to tell you about Onyx Hunt Maps. Now, if you follow this podcast for any amount of time, or specifically our Last Stand YouTube series, you've seen us use this mapping app on our phone a ton, and hopefully we've shown you how it's how it benefits us as coyote hunters. Now, millions of hunters have already made this the number one hunting GPS app on the market. It's allowed them to find more game, discover new access, and just hunt smarter. Now, from a coyote hunting specific standpoint, it allows me to drop waypoints and save waypoints for specific stand locations. It allows me to shoot line distances from stand to stand to ensure that I've went the right distance in between stands that I want to go, and as well as just show land ownership, as far as private and public. So if you're in the market for a new mapping app that's going to help you hunt coyotes smarter, you can go to your app store on your phone or you can visit onxmaps.com. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah, the writing thing, great. you know, you've talked to me about the writing thing. I don't mind writing. I, you know, I actually got straight A's in English through high school, so I, I'm not a terrible writer, but I don't know. I write in articles. I always felt like, I don't know, I felt like I was back in school, right? Like, yeah. just sitting there grinding and I, it, I didn't enjoy it right like ultimately right. at the end of the day I mean I always was proud of what I put out but at the end of the day I was like man that just sucked I dreaded looking you know yep and that's why I thought you know yep. this podcast stuff is right up my alley because I can talk um you know I can just articulate it and, and teach it and talk about things in a manner that probably not a, not very many people can at least in the predator world but 
I don't have to sit there at a table bashing my head against the the notepad, you know, for eight hours, you know, to knock out a thousand word article. It's always easier. It's always easier when you have a two way conversation versus oh, yeah. a one way, which is what writing is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. It, you see, you know, you'll see stuff in our magazines that I write and it is it, it, I just dread it. I'm not very good at it. I I tell me, you know, my my editor and I'm I'm not good at it. I I have dyslexia, severe dyslexia. And so I'm horrible at grammar. I'm horrible at spelling. I'm horrible at making words up. For some reason, my dad and I have our own language of words that <laughs> don't make anything. Todd Helms, our, my editor, who's yeah. got a master's degree and he's, he was an English teacher and all that stuff. Often he'll go, that's not a word. I'm like, yeah, it is. I've been saying it my whole life. <laughs> Ibuprofen is not a word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 so yeah, I'm with you. I, I can't write. I, I'm not good at it. And I do it because it's, it means to an end, but I am not good at it. I'd rather yeah. sit here and, and have a conversation like this or even talk to a camera. Um, it, I'm, 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 it's more enjoyable to me. I wouldn't say I'm better at it, but it's more enjoyable yeah. for sure. Yeah, we can thank technology advancements for this right yeah, right exactly yeah, exactly <laughs> thank god for the camera and the yeah, microphone yeah. <laughs> so so one thing i do with all my guests i always want to hear your story of the first coyote you ever killed do you even remember oh. the first coyote you ever killed um i do uh i do because it's a funny story so when i was cowboy and i think i was 12 and we always had i always carried a uh, 22 it was a winchester 22 lever action um and then i always had a 22 pistol and i, I, I actually sitting here thinking why would it be why would i carry a 22 well, it's just because the, the ammo was cheap i mean yeah. you could buy oh, a yeah, brick of yeah, 500 shoot, shoot, for nothing yeah. yeah yeah and we'd shoot you know we shoot chiselers and i killed a pile where that ranch i worked on had a pile of rattlesnakes i mean one summer one summer fencing and it, we only fenced about like probably the end of May through the middle of June. And we, you know, we'd go around the whole summer pasture and fix all the wires from the elk breaking the wires and the snow and everything yeah. in one summer. So a matter of four weeks, I killed enough rattlesnakes that I filled a pickle jar, a big pickle jar, like a, like, you know, a Costco size pickle yeah, yeah. jar with the rattles. That's how many snakes I killed. It was absolutely insane. Yeah. And I didn't even put a dent in them. <laughs> Almost got bit a bunch. Anyway, so I had a 22 lever action, iron sight 22. Yeah, yeah. And I was riding through this draw, pushing about four cows. And I think they were yearlings, but pushing them. And we went through this draw and up the other side. And as we went down the bottom, uh, four coyote pups jumped out of the bottom. And I think it was, I think they had, you know, that was their den. There was a hole yeah, there yeah. in a den somewhere. Like little four coyote ones, pups. like size of a cat? smaller but yeah, yeah yeah like size yeah. of a cat yeah and then an, uh, an adult jumped out and i remember pulling my pistol and looked at my pistol and went this is gonna be a shit show on a horse so i <laughs> jumped off the horse and the coyote was trying to figure out what was going on the the female was i think it was a female she didn't want to leave her pups but her pups weren't big enough they couldn't find the hole again it was just one of those scenarios <laughs> so i pulled the I, I did one of those cowboy moves where you slide across out the saddle pulled the, the gun out of the scabbard line up Kill the pup, and then the 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 uh, adult ran over to the pup. I was like, "Well, I should kill her." Boom, killed her. <laughs> and I'm talking. I bet we weren't 50 yards, probably not even 50, more like 30 yards away from him. Killed her, and then I walked over, and the other pups ran into the den. I walked over and went, 
you know, you have that moment, you go, Oh, those poor pups are going to starve to death now. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> should I should have killed all the pups yeah, then the female? Dang yeah, it. Dang yeah. What was I thinking? I could have had five yeah. instead of so, two. So I, I take this, this. This is the funniest part of the story. So I take the 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 female and the pup, and I I put the pup in one of my saddlebags, and the female I lay across the back of my saddle and slash her on with my raincoat. Of course, the horse wasn't real tickled about this. His name was Mule. He's an old, old gray horse, and he wasn't real tickled about it, but he put up with it. And what the hell were you packing the cows out of there for? To go show somebody? Well, I didn't know. Oh. I didn't know what you did with it. I was 12. Oh. Like, I don't know what I'm doing with oh, this. So yeah. I, it, I packed this damn coyote and played with it all the way back to where the other cowboys are, and this old guy named Barry, Barry Nye walks up, and he goes, you build, you build yourself a fur coat? I didn't think you were being gone that long. And he, I go, it's a coyote, and I throw it on the ground, and, of course, all the horses throw a freaking absolute fit, jumping around and cowboys screaming and yelling, what the hell are you? Yeah, I soon found out you don't pack those things out. I was like, should I skin it? They're like, you realize that it's son of a bitch, you probably, got, you probably got all kinds of nasty shit on you now. Please and everything well, else, yeah. Yeah, I'll be to the crick. See you later. That's pretty wild. <laughs> Uh, stupid stories i hadn't thought of that story in a long time <laughs> that's a pretty good one that's a pretty dang good first coyote story it's yeah, the first one i've ever 22. heard of off a horse like that you know yeah 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 <laughs> the horses were used to us shooting because we were killing snakes all the time but i wasn't sure if it was real you know you know at 12 i thought if i shoot her and wound her is she gonna come after me i don't know i mean it's a dog yeah yeah so, so I thought, well, I'll get off the horse and shoot her. And that way, if, if, if she chases me, she, you know, I could keep shooting. I don't know. Anyway, funny things you do when you're a kid. So have you killed very many coyotes over the years? I mean, it seems like anytime I've been with guys deer hunting or elk hunting, it's like the biggest taboo to shoot a coyote while I'm deer hunting because everybody's all worried that it's going to, I mean, that's the only reason I ever bought a deer tag. Usually it's just so I could go out and shoot coyotes. And maybe if I saw something, you know, you know, but uh, I mean, is that, I mean, do you, do you shoot them when you're out or, or do you just, oh, yeah. do they all get free passes usually? No, I, you know, we, we antelope hunt a lot and those, those damn coyotes are hell on antelope uh, fawns. And so I kill yeah. everyone I can find and I, I'll kill probably four or five each fall. Um, and, and now that I'm hunting with a suppressor, you know, silencer central, put yeah, this yeah. up with suppressors. And now that I'm hunting that way, I don't, I don't have to worry about spooking all the game. And so I'll never, kill yeah, every never. single one of them. Yep. Yeah. In, in Southern Colorado, where we hunt uh, elk, deer, and antelope, they, I mean, I'll kill three of them there. And it, I'll see probably 10 more that I, you know, are a long ways away. They're, they yeah, got yeah. a problem. <laughs> Serious problem. Yeah, it's always interesting. Everybody, everybody always looks at that a little bit different. I'm always curious just to see people's thoughts on, you know, shooting coyotes when you're out there or not. You know, you know, if I was, I just, the way I look at it is, you know, if I was in a high mountain basin and I knew there was a big buck in there and I saw a coyote, I probably wouldn't do it even suppressed just because you're just creating commotion and that buck yeah. will leave. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that makes sense. I don't worry about elk and I definitely don't worry about antelope, antelope yeah, you for know, sure. but you got to save those fawns. That's, that's where, that's where predator hunting really helps is, you know, the, the, the fawn, retention if you can get them 30 days uh, a fawn 30 days old they can outrun that and they're a little they have a ton more skills 
of avoiding predators that, but that first 30 days, they are hell on them. Absolute hell on them. I was reading some studies down in Arizona and they were saying like somewhere to 70 to 90% predation on antelope fawns and some of those units in Arizona, you know, yeah, so they do a pretty surprising. extensive aerial gunning program. You know, like you said, you got to give them a, a, a three weeks, a month. So they'll bring in the airplanes right there in April, you yep. know, and, and really knock down the coyotes there just to buy a little bit of time, you know, so the, the fawns yep. can get big enough, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I had this conversation with somebody recently. They're like, well, you know, are, are, all these predator hunting is such a big deal now. Do you, are you ever worry that you're going to kill them all? I said, dude, <laughs> you realize they were poisoning them in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. And they, they were able to wipe the wolves out, but they didn't even dent the freaking coyote population. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's if, if we ever have a nuclear winter, we're going to end up with coyotes, white-tailed deer, and cockroaches. That's what's going to be left. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. You listen to those stories where they, they would take those carcasses, whatever, a cow carcass, and fill it up with, with the 1080, you know, and just yeah. fly across the landscape, dumping these cows laced with this poison just all over the place, you know, killing off everything that touched them, right? But yeah, yeah, I mean, Birds it was a massive and... effort to to wipe out coyotes. And like you said, now there's there's more coyotes now than there ever has been, probably. Oh, yeah. Well, we're, <laughs> I mean, you can't even put a dent in them. I mean, it's yeah. just, they're they're amazing. But you think about it. You know, I I was talking to Jim Huntsman here recently about the wolves and they're very similar thing. But coyotes, number one, they live everywhere. Number two, you know, the amount of pups that they have every single year, you know, it is it would be impossible to. to, to well, we've tried as humans. We tried in, in, in out west and it didn't work. You can't get rid of them. It is, they're like rabbits. Yeah, the, I don't know if you knew this. They can self-regulate their litters. Like that's like where I didn't you know that unique to coyotes. So they can base. So let's say you get a whole ton of coyotes in an area, right? And there's just not a lot of food. You know, it's it's pretty much the the it's maximized, you know, the the number of coyotes that can live in that area. Carrying so capacity. They'll have, yeah, they'll have small litters, right? Because there's nowhere for them to go. But you come in and wipe out a whole bunch of coyotes. Now you just open up all that landscape. The litters will be bigger this year because now there's the carrying capacity is low now room for them to come in. And that's probably the main reason why you know, so they, they're so adaptable. So do they have, you know, when you say a smaller litter, is that like one or two pups versus six to eight? What's their litter yeah, size? Yeah. I think, you know, I would think the average is probably somewhere in that six range, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I would think the small side would be two or three, four, but maybe upwards of eight to 10 potentially. Jeez. You know, maybe more. Jeez. I read some article, like the record was like 19 pups that they found but oh my I think that would be a crazy amount right like i think you know eight. how did that poor bitch feed all of them <laughs> no kidding right she's got about eight God. nipples on her you know <laughs> <laughs> she's got she's got a she's got two or three nannies cooking yeah, up yeah, too. <laughs> yeah 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 it's pretty wild to think you know coyotes are just so and then you know they eat everything you know wolves are pretty specific you know they have to they eat you know a handful of things you know coyotes you name it they'll eat it you know so yeah yeah that's, that's right interesting, you know so where's oh, your take, you know, cool. with, with what, where you've seen the predator world go, you know, just in the last few years with all your research and, and, you know, dealing with the big game hunting guys, are you finding more and more big game guys are, are using predator hunting as a, as a means to keep the hunting season going a little bit now, or has that always been that way? It just hasn't been as, as public maybe, or what are you, what are so, you seeing there? I think, you know, <clears throat> I think that the history I think big game guys always, always hunted cows, but I wouldn't say that they got passionate about it. 
partially because there wasn't a lot of, of, of knowledge and information out there on how to do it effectively. You know, I, I never yeah. did a coyote stand until, shoot, I was in my late 20s, I think. I didn't even know what that was. And I went out with some guys from, from Mossy Oak, and they wanted to do it and showed me how to do it. I'd never done it before. So I think a lot of big game guys were killing coyotes. You know, if they saw them, obviously, and, and in the winter, they'd, they'd try and, you know, I remember as, as a kid in high school in the winter, we'd drive around and shoot stuff, and coyotes were the main oh, yeah. predator we were yeah. after, but we rarely ever found them. And so the information got better. Um, guys like you and, and, and there's companies like Lucky Duck that are putting together calls. And it, I mean, that call on Kyle's heck, when I was in high school, I had no idea how to do that. Wouldn't, yeah, yeah. wouldn't even thought of it, but you know, so they're putting calls together and information on how to do stands and how, you know, equipment like, like ARs with suppressors and, and, you know, good turret scopes or, or at least the, you know, the BDX system, yep, yep. all that stuff has just made it easier and easier and easier. And I'm seeing guys now that are, that are becoming just as passionate, maybe even more passionate about, you know, coyote hunting than they, they are were with big game because it, it feeds to the, the guy that, you know, um, there's there's guys that want to specialize in one thing and i, I only want to you know i want to catch one if i just catch one big trout i don't care if i catch anything the rest of the day yeah. or those the guys that go i don't care how big they are i just want to catch 20 of them yep and so you know it it feeds to the guys that want to just shoot and kill a ton of stuff um <laughs> versus just one big mule deer they're like yeah, oh yeah. that was a one and done i'm i'm you know where's can i do it again yeah yeah <laughs> So, you know, being able to kill, go out and kill 10 coyotes in a, in a, in a, a day or a weekend, I think it really, you know, caters to those guys. And, you know, there's a, as you know, and your audience really knows this, is that there's, there's a huge skill set there that you have to hone and, and the equipment is endless. One of the things that, I, I don't know why this is addicting to me, but you guys killing these dogs at night is so addicting where you just, you know, all you see is a night thermal? vision and yeah, pop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pop. And then you scroll across and there's another dog that had no <laughs> idea what happened. You pop that one. Like, this is just absolutely entertain. This is entertainment yeah. at its highest. <laughs> How much money does it take to kill a coyote? That's really what that is. Oh, right. I have a friend in Montana. This is, he's a sink. So he's single income, uh, or single income, no kids and makes a, you know, he's in construction, makes a ton of money. And he is, he has taken it to the nth degree. Like he has a, he built a, a Ford half ton crew cab truck. That's got a 21 inch monitor on it. And he's got, um, you know, thermal and night vision. It's where he can drive Over down system. the highway yeah, completely yeah. pitch black at 60 miles an hour. And yeah. he's, I mean, it's insane. <laughs> Him and his buddy, that's all they do. And they shoot, you know, they'll shoot 15 coyotes in an evening in a, at night. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh my gosh. Good for you guys. <laughs> Give you some places that are that the font, you know, they're, you know, antelope for fawning, go out there and kill them all winter, please. But yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I suppose it's crazy. like anything. Yeah. You know, you'll run into the super hardcore guys that are just like coyotes. That's it. Right. So same with probably elk and deer. There's guys oh, yeah. that are just like, boom, that's all I'm going after. It's, yep. I, I still think it's a small percentage, right. Of, I think you got the bulk of the coyote hunters are guys that want to do it all. You know, they want to go yep. deer hunting, they want to go this, but then, hey, let's go out and kill some coyotes. And you're right, the information is huge because when you can only go do something six or eight times a winter, it's going to be tough to get really good at it, right? Like, right. You know, and and if 
you're not having much luck. You're going to get bored. You're going to be like, ah, this sucks. You know, I can't believe I just dropped all this money on this call and this gun. But you're right. If the information's out there and you get a little bit ahead of the game, you know, paying attention to this information, then, hey, you know, now if you only have five or six, eight times a winner, you can go have some luck and some some success and make it worth your time. Well, yeah, you know, you, and you start surrounding yourself, you go to some of these competitions and you surround yourself with the same guys and you're sharing information and sharing equipment and all that stuff. And then it, then it becomes an addiction. And, and yeah, yeah. that's when, you know, that's when I have a few friends that went down that road. Um, and now, you know, they're, they're building guns for it and building their own suppressors <laughs> and I was like, holy cow. I mean, they're not building their own suppressors. I mean, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> they're building what yeah. they're building water filtration systems. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so so predator stuff over the years, you know, I, I don't know if I was watching Eastman's social channel, somebody's, and there was like some old time footage of a polar bear hunt. That was fascinating. You know, yeah. I've had a lot of people on this, this podcast and we've never talked about polar bears to me. Oh, that's boy. fascinating. Hunt. I've, I've heard stories about just the adventure itself, getting to where even the damn polar bears live, you know? So, so tell me about this. I don't know. Have you ever been on a polar bear hunt? I haven't, but it is on my bucket list. And um, the main reason I haven't done it is you can't bring the polar bear in the right current laws. You can't bring them back into the U S um, Currently, now there is a polar bear in the Eastman uh, uh, Eastman's world. My grandfather did a ton of polar bear hunting in Alaska in the 50s and 60s. The reason, so, and when I say ton, I'll bet he killed 10 of them, maybe, maybe more than that. Okay. And it was, yeah, I mean, he he lived two winters with the with the Eskimos up there out of Point Hope, uh, Alaska. And that was one of their main food sources. And, you know, the, the polar, polar bear uh, hide is in their fur is so unique because it's hollow. And so it's really good insulation value. Plus it's, it's, um, it's natural water wicking and all this stuff there, but it's, they're really, really cool animals. You know, if you think about where they live uh, on the ice, you know, most people think about polar bears and they think of the footage from Nat Geo where the, they're in the dumps in, in, uh, in, <laughs> yeah. in Hudson Bay and yeah. all that stuff. Those, what that really is, is those, those bears are adolescent bears and they weren't, they missed the ice pack or they got kicked off the ice pack by an older bear. And so what polar bears do is they, they, they live on the ice and during the winter, the ice grows and, you know, goes touches the land and all that stuff, but the polar bear is still out on the ice because they, they hunt seal. When the seals, they need water. They don't live on the land much. Well, as that, as that ice recedes in the spring and opens up channels up and all that stuff, if that polar bear, which is usually an adolescent, younger uh, polar bear that doesn't know this, if they don't, if they get on the wrong side of the, of the ice, um, I guess, you know, the, the, yeah, the, the land side where the ice is receding. Yeah, yeah. On the land side, they get landlocked and then there's not much for them to eat up there because they're, they're not equipped for that. They're not equipped to, to take caribou down or they're not equipped to, you know, eat, you know, everything else that's on the land during that time of year, you know, they're built to kill seals. That's what they're built for. And so they have to scavenge and, and, and that's when the polar bears become a problem. There was a, there was a guy that we went on hunted caribou for a number of years up in Quebec 
in northern Quebec and they had, you know, the Inuits up there. There was a the pilot for us. His name was Johnny. He had killed that one summer. The last time I was up there, he killed 10 polar bears because they were just an absolute nuisance. They'd get into people's houses. I mean, literally knock the door down and chase the kids around kind of in the houses. And he'd end up going out and shooting them. And I mean, the landlocked bears are a real problem. It's a misconception by the America, by America and the media fed into it. And all these, this environmentalist BS that the polar bears are endangered. They're not, they're actually, there's more polar bears now than there, than there was in the sixties and fifties because number one, we haven't hunted them, but number two, um, they're these landlocked polar bears are, are dealing with humans now and surviving, you know, they're in the dumps at, in Hudson on the Hudson Bay and they're, they're surviving versus, you know, back before humans had all that, those bears, those young bears ended up dying, starving, starving to death yeah. uh, and dying before the ice came back and they, they could hunt seals again. But the mature adults, they go out on the ice and they, they get on the ice side and they, you know, recede with the ice hunt seals all summer and then come back in the winter. Um, and, and it, you know, it's, so it's a lot of, it's a lot different now getting there when my grandfather was hunting them, it was pretty cool. They'd take uh, bush planes out. They'd take super cubs and they'd fly out on the ice pack in the winter and find a big old bear land and uh, dump two dogs out, chase the polar bear, find the bear and uh, end up hunting them and, and taking them. And then, you know, throw throw the hide and the skull and stuff back in the plane and fly back. In Wait, fact, that's how he these ended up. Dogs, huh? Oh yeah. No. Kidding. So the, the oh yeah, the Eskimos they had two. Usually the Eskimo in their dog sleds they'd have two dogs that were polar bear hunters. And what they do is those polar bears are really they're they're quick, but they're they're not they're they're uh, I guess they're you know they're really fast as far as their reaction, but they can't run very fast. And so those dogs would just chase them and they'd get them, circle them, and they'd get the polar bear swiping at them in a circle. And so he's not moving and allow the, that would allow the, the man, the humans to get up there and then take a shot off the bear. Because no otherwise, than, no different than bear hunting around here. There's no trees for him to climb up, right? That's 100% right. That's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, they chase them with dogs and, and uh, every once in a while a dog would get killed because, you know, polar bears' hands are the size of your chest. Yeah. I mean, a big male, they're huge. Yeah. You know, 12 foot bear is a pretty common bear. Um, so, I mean, and they're, they're extremely quick, but not, they can't run very fast because they're just, you know, they're, they're big, huge yeah, animals. Yeah. They're not built for that. And so they'd fly out and do that. Now, now what you do, I would love to be able to do that again. That, that is like, that would be Is that be illegal now to use a plane probably to go locate them in, with the um, rigs I and stuff up there in that part of the country or not? They, they just don't do it. In, in, so they don't hunt polar bears in, in Alaska. The only way you can, only place you can hunt them is in Greenland. Um, uh, they hunt them in, in, in Russia, actually. And then in Northern Canada. Northern Canada is where they, they kill most of them. Um, but now what they do is they put you in this, there's two ways to do it. They put you in a sled and you sit on a, in a sled and they pull it with a snowmobile and you, you know, you live with these Inuit guys for 10 days in, in the, the, you know, live with them in the tent and they're, they're a unique individual. It is a unique life. <laughs> they don't and make an igloo your, for you to stay in? No, they will. I mean, <laughs> oh, every yeah. once in a while, if it's real bad, they'll make an igloo, but it's still, you're sleeping with them and it's a stinky mess. I heard. <laughs> um, 
the guy the, the guy that owns Kinetrek boots uh got convinced to go on a on a polar bear hut and i said hey you know if i ever go would you go again jim and he goes not on your life he goes i did it once and that's plenty i mean you literally he hit the guy that he went with that convinced him to do it broke a tooth from being jarred on on these ice in these ice it's a nice lid yeah, it's a sled that's got that it's got walls on three sides and a window in the front, and they pull it with a snowmobile, and you, you just get the teeth knocked out of you as you're going over <laughs> ice shelves and stuff, and it's just absolutely horrible. He, he literally broke a tooth. Jim came back and said, "I'm pretty sure I'm three inches shorter because my my spine is compressed." But then you go out there, and, and you know you 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 you've the hardest part is finding a big one, and then killing them is not that hard uh actually um it's kind of like it's kind of like running a cat yeah you yeah know, a mountain lion or yeah, a bear the here best. yeah yeah chase is the part of is the, yeah. the main part of it um and i asked him i go is that just because they're not your... scared like those polar bears like they they don't even know what you are and they're not yeah they don't know what you day. are no, no enemies no predators yep. no nothing right and on a snowmobile you can catch them you just catch them and, and, you know, they're not afraid of you. They're more kind of curious of what's going on. And if, if you, they're looking at you, if you're a food source or not, and most of the time you are, <laughs> so they, they stand around long enough for, for you to get a shot off. But I asked Jim, the guy from Kennetrek, I said, what'd you do with your bear? He said, Oh, I got it mounted and it, it's in uh, Dustin Rose Lodge up there in Canada. Oh, <laughs> it was just waiting for the moment that they, they undo the leash, the leash in, in the US that I could bring it across the border. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's pretty freaking cool. But yeah, so I'm 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 actively looking for somewhere where I can do it out of an airplane and a lodge in Canada, I can leave it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I knew a guy, he came out on a coyote hunt one time and and uh he had killed almost what's that the north american slam or something where you 29 29 yeah. he was a yep. he was a polar bear and a desert bighorn short of that whatever oh my so gosh 27 so right and so i he told me he had the polar bear hunt booked in greenland and so i ran Ooh. into him the following year and his story was very similar he's like man i i rode on a snowmobile for two days straight like getting bounced around to get to where we were going the polar bear hunt itself was like 30 minutes <laughs> yep you know yep and yeah he was gone for like two weeks and it was like you know 13 and a half days of travel and a half a day of hunting you know yep in <laughs> in brutal conditions because you do it in the winter and i mean earlier in the spring but it's still winter conditions i mean it is absolutely brutal brutal uh, do they 16, not have a fall know, like a, is it only one season or it's not like any of the bears in alaska where they have a a fall and a spring season or just one usually um, usually they do it in the spring because that's when the bears are really traveling. And so you get, you get to see more bears. And oh, so gotcha. they find yeah, the yeah. bigger ones then, uh, in the winter, the, you know, it's harder cause it's dark. So you're not, yeah. you know, you have to do it when it's light and as spring, you know, April, I think March and April is when they typically do it. Cause it's, that's when the daylight's long enough that you can actually find a bear and take it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then they don't do it in the fall because the ice is so small. And they, you know, it's landlocked. So you have to that do it once sense, the yeah. ice touched the land yeah. and then it's dark. So, you, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's not a reason, a management reason. It's just a logistics reason. <laughs> what are they shooting them with? I mean, you're talking, you're talking, a, this is the biggest bear in the world, right? I yeah. Mean, I mean, <clears throat> well, Fred bear did it with a, with a recurve. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so you can do it with whatever you want. If I did it, I, I'd probably do it with, uh, 
my I probably take my dad's 460 lot just because it's a it, it's a it's killed a big moose and a big bear and a big you know bunch of cape buffalo and all kinds of stuff and so I, I'd probably do it just because it's it's a family you know being able to put that gun yeah, up and yeah, say that yeah, thing's yeah. done some cool stuff. It'd be a little weird though. It's left-handed, so I'd have to learn how to Ooh. run the bolt the other way. <laughs> yeah, especially when the damn thing starts charging you, right? Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's, that's when you. That's when you hope. Yeah, well, that's when you hope the Inuit guy's got a thirty-eight six or something, <laughs> or that you're just faster than him. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Trip him and run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We. It's. It's funny, you know. I always listen to these predator things, you know, and whether it's you know, talking to these African guys about leopards or this, you know, there's a lot of similar similarities, like, you know, lion hunting. And this seems very similar, right? Like just the type of the hunt, like it's the adventure, the tracking, the, you know, just everything up the, the kill shot itself is not, not a challenge right. probably. Right. Like, uh, but that would be pretty I'll cool. What, I got that some, close to a big ass bear like that. I got some funny stories from Africa that I wasn't there. My dad was one of these days I should get him on here and you guys can talk african lions because he went on i don't know a bunch of because he spent so much time in africa he went on a bunch of african on on uh predator hunting over their lions and leopards and had some amazing stories there's a story where they kill this male which was this huge male lion and they ended up well it was one of those things where the the guy the guy wounded the you know, as well as deals where the, the P, they have two PHs in the, in the hunter and they all have guns. The hunter shoots the lion and then the PH is trying shoot, or, you know, trying to get bullets in him too. Cause it's, yeah. it's a mess, right? And you don't want one of those things floating around wounded. Yeah. If you've ever seen uh what's the movie in India or they, anyway, um, <laughs> they, so they shoot this, the hunter shoots this lion, makes a horrible shot. And then the pH, the two pHs, one hits him in the front shoulder, one hits him in the hip. And so you're just trying to break them down, right? So they yep. can't charge it. And they get this male lion down. And all of a sudden, out of the grass comes four other male lions. And they surround this male lion and, and false charge them. And they're in this truck. You know, they by this time, they've climbed into the pickup. And these lions are false charging them and stuff. And so they had to leave this, this lion out there overnight and come back the next day. And they came back the next day and those three of those lions, those male lions, other ones were still sitting there protecting that, that no monarch, kid. I guess you call it. Yeah. It's, it's crazy story. And they, he's got, I don't know, five or six stories like that, that are just absolutely insane. You got yeah, one dude, of we these need days to get Mike on here, man, that'd be fun. I, yeah. I bet Mike, I got to drink a beer with Mike and listen to about his, helicopter gunning days vietnam oh yeah yeah i need to get him on here because that would be that would be some good stuff i just you know him telling his stories like that that'd be great well he's got he's got good he's got really neat uh stories about leopards um his his friend who's passed away now had been hammered by leopards two two times um one of them and i shouldn't tell us well i'll tell us part of the story to keep you interested but the leopard jumped out of the tree and hit one of the trackers and just basically scratched him from his his head to his toes and never touched the ground jumped from him to the next guy and went down the line to the ph and he ended up killing two of the four guys Holy and geez. the other two guys which is this ph uh you know he ended up in the hospital for weeks because of the infection because those those leopards claws are just absolutely nasty because they're eating 
you know, rotten meat and, and, and just nasty. And they, yeah, they get, yeah. I can't remember if staph infection or what, but uh, he almost, he almost okay. died from that. <laughs> yeah. Crazy stuff. <laughs> Eh, the but. stuff we do for a adrenaline fix, right? <laughs> yeah, at one point, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go watch, go watch the movie Black Death. And yeah, you'll yeah. find out how that works. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah! No, we'll we'll get that. So stay tuned for that episode. We'll uh, I'll get Mike on here and we'll we'll get him get him set up there in your podcast studio. You know, yeah, you don't have to do a thing fun. except tell stories. You know. Yep, that'll be fun. We'll get a couple of cold smokes in him and let him yeah, wind him yeah. up and let him roll. <laughs> <laughs> well, heck yeah, man. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time this morning. I appreciate you jumping on. It's been fun, man. Yeah. We'll have to get back on and hopefully one of these days yeah. we'll get on some coyote stands together. I know we've been talking about doing some stuff on the video side here one of these days. I'm sure everybody'd love to see a something yeah, like that. that. Yeah, we got a, a place in Montana that uh, now that's that's open back up and I want to get down in that, that Southern Colorado place. Uh, if I can convince the guy to let us do that, I mean, we could put a stand in. We, you could you could house 10 guys on that and it would be an absolute hoot. I mean, it's yeah, a yeah. 250,000 acre ranch and there's no shortage of coyotes. Yeah, I don't. I get a kick out of watching big game guys miss coyotes stand there at 100 yards, you know, <laughs> wondering how they missed them, you know. That would be me. <laughs> uh, cool. You get an AR well, in your hand, it. you guys don't know what you're doing, right? You're like, that's right. I, 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 I don't even know where, yeah. where the safety's at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do I load this thing? Yeah, Why are you, you can load that clip really fast. How do you do that? <laughs> That's right. So, well, I appreciate the time and having you me bet, on. Man. Good call. Well, I got you on here. What uh, new at Eastman's right now? I know you mentioned Tag Hub stuff going. Um, yeah. So, all the drawings and stuff. We're, we're talking midsummer right now. So, most of the drawings are about done, or there's still some drawings left that are coming up, or is it too late now to, to um, get into We're waiting for stuff? Wyoming draws. Uh, Wyoming draws come out in a couple weeks, the end of June. Um, of course, you know, we're doing Tag Hub. We, we still have uh, two hunts, three hunts that will that will draw out of the Tag Hub Elite members. I have a elk hunt and two deer hunts that we'll, we'll, we'll draw in August. So if you want to go on an elk hunt or, or a deer hunt, you know, make sure you're an elite member. And the odds of that's pretty, pretty damn good actually now. Um, and then of course I started my podcast here, Eastman's hunting journal podcast edition where I, 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 it's a little unique. I get to talk to really cool people like, you know, Mike Glover, or I get to talk to, to, uh, you know, Everly stock Glenn Everly and, and here who was an Olympian and, and a U.S. air force pilot and a United airlines pilot, and then started yeah. a really cool backpack company. And so you just get to hear their stories and their uniqueness, Rich Froning, which is, a uh, you know, he's the guy from CrossFit. He's yep. the one that put them on the map. And I got to have a really cool conversation with him and just find out who they are and what makes them tick and why they hunt. And, you know, why, why would possess somebody to be, be the, uh, the world champion CrossFit trainer, <laughs> you know, <just laughs> weird things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's my podcast. We got some beyond the grids that are on YouTube, uh, Eastman's hunting journals, YouTube channel, and, and they're coming out in August and we got a really cool, uh, bear hunt that there's a two part series. And, and I think you talked to Brandon or, or, or Todd about that. They went to Northern or Northern, uh, Alberta and killed two giant bears. Wait till you, you gotta see, 
this one bear that Brandon shoots with his bow, he shoots this bear at like eight yards. And this, the noise this bear makes and how it reacts is unbelievable. <laughs> Man, kind of, I mean, it put the hair up on the back of your ears going, <laughs> he's going to get hammered. It, well, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm watching a dead man right now. So it's, it's really cool. That's coming out in August. Uh, we've got, of course, the magazines and, and TV, linear TV shows and, and all the different podcasts that we're doing. So yeah, it's, it's a ton of stuff and, and ton of content, no matter what you're interested in, if it's wingman, you know, wing shooting or, or, you know, high country hunting with Eastman's elevated, or obviously um, this is, this is one of our, our funnest podcasts with predator pros, just cause it's, out, it's completely out of the box. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Never Listen know what to you're going to get here. You know, I know I've, I've listened to a couple, a few of them. No, I've listened to a bunch of them actually. And you guys, you guys hit some neat stuff. I, there's a ton of things I went, huh? I didn't know. I didn't know you could do that with coyotes. I don't know. How do you swing on a coyote with a camera? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, heck yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time more. So I appreciate yeah. you, you bringing me on the team, man. It's been fun. I, I hope everybody that's listening to these is enjoying them. I think, think we've got a great thing going you know number one predator hunting podcast out there so you know, we'll right. keep it rolling keep bringing you guys more and more great content as we get yeah. going so well, i appreciate it jeff have have a great weekend and, and good luck in baseball you tis the season man tis the season <laughs> <laughs> before i get going hey we got to thank our sponsors obviously we can't do this without them so big thanks goes out to hornady onyx hunt lucky duck predator calls sig optics Black Rifle Coffee Company, Silencer Central, Cryptech, and Swagger Bipods. And, of course, the Eastman's brand for bringing this all to you guys. You can see everything they got going, exactly what Ike just got done talking about at Eastman's.com. So until next time, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you right here on the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast.